Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're going to keep uh, just chatting about uh, understanding of our identity. How many of you guys enjoyed the message last week? Mariah Anderson, she's okay, right? Yep. No, we're really blessed to have such dynamic ministers in our church and understanding how to apply and declare your identity over your life and speak it, speak it into existence. There's power in your words. God uses words to speak the entire universe into existence. He makes us in his image. He gives us the ability to speak, and he wants us to speak his truth over our life. We begin to speak the truth of God over our life. It is not just words. It is power. It shifts things, right? Amen? All right, so... When we, right before we dig into this message here, uh, we're going to talk about identity lost. I want to encourage you, obviously you know your dividends showed up in your bank account. Most of your dividends. Some of your dividends went to pay for other stuff, right? Okay. Government. Busy. They're busy. They're busy. Hey, Amen. I won't say anything more. <laughs> okay. But, uh, hey, I want to encourage you, give, right? Give, tithe off of your uh, dividends. And as well, this month, we're trying to raise enough money to pay off our contractors that uh, finished our phase one of our worship center, right? So we have $76,000 to raise there. We can do it really easy uh, if we just find out what the Lord puts on our heart to give above and beyond what we, what, what we normally would give out of our tithes with the extra money. God's blessed us on our dividends. It's a great opportunity to do it. Amen? Just pray about it. Pray what God wants you to do. Go for it. All right. A Blessed Life. This is a teaching by Robert Morris, and we have a small group that's launching, and uh, Ron and Regina, where are you guys? Raise your hand. They're right there in the back. They're going to be in the back. If you have the gift of giving, or you have a desire to run a business, or they feel like you have the gift to raise and create finances, be an entrepreneur, I'm encouraging you to get signed up for the small group. This small group is like ready, launched to go. They want to get ready and hit it. And so if you haven't signed up for a small group and you want to walk in the favor and the blessing that God has for you and understanding how to engage giving, you should sign up for this group. It's, the window's going to close really quick. They can only keep it open for so long, so sign up for that group. I want you to think about this. And Robert Morse teaches this. And he says, giving is one of the ways that we engage in, a, in spiritual activity more like Jesus than any other time. God so loved the world that he gave. Just think about that. And when we start to give, just even of our finances, we're engaging in being like Jesus. It's one of the reasons why it's so important, and there's more scriptures in the New Testament about giving because where your treasure is, there your heart is. It's so deceptive to pull us away from our heart really being centered in Christ, but it's also an opportunity for us to learn to be like him. Amen? So sign up for The Blessed Life with Ron Regina. You will be blessed that you did. Those are great folks, too, good people to get to know. If you want to get to know people in the community, small groups are a great way to do it. All right, we're going to talk about identity lost. Commercial's over. Amen? Identity lost. This is, this is, a, um, this is a difficult space for all of us, and I think that we can get lost really easy here, personally. Um, you know, you ever seen the... Um, yeah, Peter Pan. Yeah, what? Peter Pan? Have you ever seen the movie Peter Pan, the cartoon Peter Pan? I want to raise your hand. I want to know, if you really. You've seen Peter Pan. Okay. Uh, everybody know who the Lost Boys are in the story of Peter Pan? Okay, the story of Peter Pan is obviously Peter Pan 
is, you know, some sort of weird kid that ends up in some magical land where he never grows old. And it's never, never land, right? And this is this idea that we can be off in some adventure and never have to grow up. Sounds a little bit like, never mind. <laughs> Sounds a lot like a lot of people in America, right? We got a lot of people in America that just, they have this, what I call the lost boy syndrome is we get off and create an environment in a utopia where we are trying to not grow up, trying not to be adults. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you can attempt to not be an adult. And it comes from when you lose your identity. Peter Pan and all the lost boys lose their identity as children of parents. And they lose their parents, and when they get off away from their parents, they get on to Never Never Land, the utopia they wish they could have, and they have everything they can do, and they behave like animals and weirdos. And then there's a, a key character in this story that comes in. Wendy, who's like a mother figure in this story, comes in and shows up, and all of a sudden, all the kids like Cohen, like, wait a second, why are we acting like this? And, and they all start to get sad, and they start going, wait a second, I was a kid before, I had parents but I lost who I was. And now I'm behaving like in this humongously unproductive way. And, and I need to get back to who I am. God has this desire for you and I to not lose our way. He really does. He wants us to not become lost boys, lost girls. And we become this way when we lose our identity. We, we, we forget who we actually are. And we, we talked a couple weeks ago about when we understand our true identity, it gives us power. And when we, when we walk in that power, we see tremendous things happen, not out of our might and strength, but out of the Lord's. Because our true identity is as sons and daughters of the king. So we see David, and we're going to dig into another chapter of David's life, and it's the dark chapter of David's life. This is not the chapter of David's life he wishes was in the Bible. Right? He loves when we talk about, you know, if somebody is reading the story of your life and you're like, chopped the head off a giant, you conquered armies, you raised up, you know, people and other giant slayers and you, you were this passionate worshiper, like, oh yeah, read all that stuff about me, that's great. But then we start reading about the sin and the dark chapters of one another's lives, we get a little uncomfortable. None of us want to look back from there. In fact, many of us have a dark chapter in our life and don't know how to get out of it. And this is what we want to talk about today is our lost identity, but our lost identity then recovered. We don't want to go off and be lost boys and lost girls and stay out in Never Never Land forever. God didn't make you for some selfish utopia you're creating for yourself. He made you to be a child of God and to be effective, and to do the job he lays in front of you out of that identity. So we see David in the book of Samuel, chapter 11, verse 1. It's actually 2 Samuel. And here's what happens. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. You can just say, uh-oh. All right? I want to just point out a couple things. 
It says here, in the spring, at the times when kings go off to war, David remained. See, David, in so many other times of David's life, he knew exactly who he was. And he went through difficult circumstances, and, and he overcame difficult things. For whatever reason in his life, he finds himself not remembering who he is. And he's delegating and sending off responsibilities to other people that he should never delegate. And when he did that, he got bored. He, he went off into never-never land. Now David, instead of understanding I'm a child of God, I'm a, I'm a son of the king, and now I am the king, he sees himself as a bored, entitled leader. A king in the sense of you owe me versus a king in the sense is I'm a servant called to lead. And he always led from that other place, but when he lost his identity, he began to do this. He began to walk around. One evening, David got up from his bed and he just walked around aimlessly. Look, when you're just walking around, you realize you might have lost your identity. If you're walking around and you don't know where you're supposed to be or where you're supposed to go and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing in my life. I don't know where I'm going and I don't have a purpose. And I'm just walking around. It might be a sign that you've lost your identity. If you're not in the place where you ought to be, where you've committed to be, where you know you're on assignment and God said, hey, I need you to do this for me in this season of your life. And you're not at that post. Then you find yourself walking around. And then when you find yourself walking around, guess what? You start looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. And David's wandering around. He starts going, I wonder what I need today. He looks out over his vast kingdom, and he sees a beautiful lady taking a bath. I'm like, why are you taking a bath on top of your roof? <laughs> I guess that's just what they did. That's cool. They didn't have any blinds. No blinds, apparently. We start losing track of who we are. We start to wander around, and then we start to look at things we shouldn't be looking at. Here's a passage in 2 Timothy 2.3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. David was entangled in civilian affairs right here. He got himself as a civilian when he was actually a soldier. And when you and I get our identity off track and we begin to see ourselves as something we're really not, and we plug it in, whatever you want to plug into how you see yourself. Oh, I'm just a business person. I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad. I'm, I'm a Latin lover. I don't know what David thought he was right now, okay? He saw himself wrong. He did not see himself as a soldier in the, in the king's army. He wanted, when he saw himself for what he wanted, then he felt like getting what he saw he thought he deserved. And so he looks out over his kingdom and he goes, all that kingdom belongs to me, including that lady sitting on the stinking balcony. Unfortunately, he was about to get himself into a whole lot of trouble. And I want to encourage you that you, as a, as a child of the king, you don't see yourself as a nobody. As an aimless person wander, wandering around with no direction and purpose, you're not that person. You're a holy nation. 
You're set aside as a royal priest and a king to do the work of the king. And if you want to think about it simply, don't get caught in civilian affairs. You're not a civilian. You're a soldier in God's army. You're a kid of the king. And you're called with a purpose. You have an assignment. What is that assignment? And when you keep that assignment in front of you, you're not in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're off to war where all the other kings are. So you're not finding yourself wandering around looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. This is an interesting thing that happens here. And it's amazing how David could do this so right under such great testing throughout his life and then fail so miserably like us, right? We see in verse 4. Amazing how he's a lot like us, isn't he? David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent message to her. She came to him and, she slept, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. We got a problem. Now David has a serious problem. Well, one of the things that happens is when we start to wander, we don't, we, we, we don't see ourselves as a soldier. We tangle ourselves in, entangle ourselves in civilian affairs. We start to walk around. We start to look stuff we shouldn't be looking at. Then David does another thing as he takes a step away from his identity towards his lost boy mentality. The person he kind of temporary, temporarily sets up is who he is. And he takes a step away, a physical step. And this is one of the things is when you need to set off the alarm in your life and the life of the people around you and say, whoa, don't do this. Where were all of David's men around him? Probably afraid they'd get killed if they confronted him. But real friends confront friends, right? When you see a friend taking a step away from their identity, what do you do? How do you behave? How do you respond? God's called us to be the church. We're in love with each other. We're in love with Jesus. We help reach out and support one another. And we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to ring the alarm bell. Ding, 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 ding. There's something going on here. What's going on? I'm going to lovingly encourage you. Do not invite Bathsheba to your house. Bathsheba is Uriah's wife. You got like 30 wives already, bro. What do you need another one off the rooftop for? I don't know. That's just me talking. But I would have said that to him, right? David, you're my brother. What are you doing? But here's the thing. This is one of the things that's so interesting is David sent all his close confidants away. Everybody was gone off to war and he should have been there. And so the people closest to him, he separated himself from the church. Every time you and I separate ourselves from the church, the people that know us and, and care about us and are the ones that are strong enough to say something, we're in trouble we don't have that guard. We don't have someone else to tell us, like, man, I see something's going wrong. And man, if we do see something, do we share it? So anyway, he finds himself in a rather difficult scenario because he took a step. He invited her, and then he took another step, and he slept with her. And then all of a sudden, there are consequences from that. We're having a baby. <laughs> you know, once you realize you've really blown it and you've stepped away from your identity, you ever, you ever make some big mistakes and you think, oh man, this can get, I can just run away from this and uh, this sin and I can shift and I can just repent and I can go back and I'm just gonna have to expose it or you can dig in deeper. And this is what I call the great cover-up, right? And we look at, 
from, we're gonna just, I'm gonna summarize this from verse six through 27. David does the ultimate cover-up of his sin. And he invites Uriah to come back off the battlefield and he tries to, multiple ways to get Uriah drunk and get him to go back and sleep with his wife so then he'd be off the hook. It's like, whew, he'll think it's his kid. But Uriah is a man of integrity. He's like, the Ark of the Covenant's in a tent. All the people that I'm, my commanding officers are in a tent. My brothers that I'm working with are in a tent. They're out there sleeping. How can I come back and enjoy the pleasantries of this life when I'm a soldier? I can't entangle myself with civilian affairs. I'm not going to do it. So Uriah actually understood who he was and where he was supposed to be, and he wasn't supposed to be there. And he wouldn't go back and participate. And so David can't cover up his sin. So he gets frustrated, and he sends a letter back with Uriah that says to the commanding officer, Joab, he says, hey, when the battle gets really fierce, I want you to put Uriah right up in the front, and then I want you to have your men step back where the battle is fiercest so that we make sure that dude doesn't come home. So Joab is a good soldier, does what his king tells him to do. Uriah dies in battle. The cover-up. You, we all, God always gives us choices, but the problem is, is when we lose our identity, we start to behave badly. <laughs> this is what happens. We start to lose our identity, we start to behave badly, and you find yourself and can find yourself doing things and being someone you would never thought you could ever be and things you could never thought you could ever do. David would never have imagined himself as an adulterer and a murderer. He would never have imagined that. And you know what? It was impossible to imagine that of David up until this point. He was such a godly, right-hearted man. That he, and he'd been tested. But one of the things that we are always tempted to do is to manipulate the circumstances. We're always tempted to put our hands on the thing that God has destined for us or chose for us or has uh, you know, set aside for us. And, and, and whenever we do, we get in trouble. We get in big trouble. And if we keep moving down that road, what happens is they call the follow-on effect from our actions. We want to then shift how we see the behaviors we have done and we try to justify them. And the follow-on effect is that we justify our behaviors so that we see ourselves in a better light so that we feel better about us. Well, that really wasn't that bad of a sin. Bathsheba really kind of does belong to me because, you know, I am the king and she lives in a house that's in my kingdom. and It's kind of like my thing, right? Uriah sort of works for me. He's going to battle anyway. He could have died. Eh. What was the big deal if I sort of manipulated that situation a little bit? Anytime you and I, we find ourselves with a lot, you know you've lost your identity when you start to manipulate the circumstances around you. See, David found himself many years before when Saul was king and he was just the shepherd boy who was promoted as a general and then an outcast and he's running from cave to cave and he is hiding from the king who's trying to chuck spears at him when he did nothing, he was innocent. And his heart was right and his heart was pure and he just cried out to the Lord and he declared, you know, God, save me. I know you're going to rescue me. I know that these circumstances aren't who I am. But then Saul comes into a cave that David is hiding in 
and he strolls into this cave and all of David's men are there and David is hiding in the shadows and he has a moment where God is testing David to say, are you gonna manipulate the circumstances? Are you gonna jump out of the identity and trust in who I made you to be and try to manipulate it and make it happen for yourself? And Saul, standing there, not knowing it, was vulnerable, it was open. David could have done anything he wanted. He had a sword, he, he cut off the bottom of Saul's cloak and then God convicted him that even cutting the tiniest little piece off of Saul's cloak was a sin because he had touched the anointed that God had set in place as king. He was putting his hands on his identity and he was becoming a lost boy and he's like, I don't wanna be a lost boy, I wanna be found. I want to be in my true identity. And God, you're going to put me on assignment for whatever it is you want me to do as long as I stay a son of the king, as long as I keep my heart right before you. But in this moment, when we find him on the balcony, looking down at Bathsheba, he had lost his mind. He did not remember who he was in that cave. And instead of, whoa, 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 I just looking at that, I was thinking I should have her over. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not losing my identity. What he should have done is like, oh, just pray, repent, get on his horse and go out to war. And shake all that off. But he didn't have that moment. Unfortunately, he went deeper and deeper and he started to cover it up. And he put his hands on it, manipulated it, and he took advantage of her and he took advantage of Uriah. And then he tries to cover it all up. But you know what? Here's the thing. First John says that God is gonna bring everything to the light. All sin is gonna be exposed and we need to learn to live in the light because it's all coming up to the surface. It's gonna happen. What happens next is that the prophet Nathan comes to visit David and David's like, awesome. What's up, Nate? Let's hang. He doesn't realize that God is about to expose him. We see in 2 Samuel 12, 1, the Lord sent Nathan to David. Then he came to him. He said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb and he, that he had bought. He raised it and he grew it up with him as, as, as his children. With him as his children, he shared its food. It drank from his cup. Even when he slept, it was in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle, prepared a meal for the traveler who had become, uh, oh wait, did I miss the line? But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, and he prepared it for the one that had, he had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a, such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, <laughs> the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah and all of this had been too, and if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing this evil 
in his eyes. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed with the sword, you killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took uh, the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Yikes. Okay. So how do we deal with this in the context of what Jesus has done for us? All right? In the new covenant, Jesus comes, dies, and pays the price for all of our sin. The reality is, is you actually can never be lost kind of awesome. You can't be lost and you can't lose your salvation. You don't get to lose it. Oh my gosh, where'd I put my salvation? I just dropped it on the floor somewhere and I can't find it. You can't lose it, right? You're firmly fit as you choose Jesus. You're saved and rescued. He identifies you as a son. He comes and dwells inside you, but you can't lose your identity, you can forget who you are as a son and begin to behave like a lost boy, like a lost girl. And you can bury that and you can cover it up and you can keep pressing in and in. But guess what? The word of the Lord is coming for you. God's truth is coming for you, not to beat you up, but to wake you up to get you out of this cover-up and bring you to the surface and get you to see who you really are because God has a plan for you and it's not to stay deeply rooted down in all this kind of sin. Lost. When the Lord of the Lord comes, how do you respond? And we need to listen. Listen to the word of the Lord. If a prophet comes to you and you know someone who is really a prophet and they come to you and they speak word of the truth to you, hey, I see something that needs to shift. Or if you have friends, people who you know love you, parents that really love you, that your kids are coming to you in a loving way, don't cover it up with anger and get big and say like, rah, 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 I'm amazing, I could never do anything like that, blah, blah, blah. Stop all that stuff. Pause, ask the Lord, God, am I off track? Humility will serve you well. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. If David would have responded in this moment like Saul responded when he sinned, the Holy Spirit would have left him. Because this is old covenant time, okay? The Holy Spirit would have removed and found another king. And we'd have a different story going on. But David was a man after God's heart. And this is what was different about him. Not that he blew it or didn't blow it. He wasn't perfect. And this is our new covenant life with Jesus. Is that when we blow it, we get to come back. All our sin now is forgiven. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. God's presence will never leave you. But you can lose your way and lose your identity and miss out on what God has prepared for you. Which is to operate in his kingdom. But do you, will you listen? If you don't listen, you can't turn. If you won't listen, you can't repent because you won't see. You'll just stay in never, never land like a lost boy. But God has a purpose for you to shift back on track. The word comes to you. 
to sharply divide and bring change and alignment with you and I back to the truth of who we are so then we can operate in our true identity, true power. There's more giants to slay. Come on. There's more kingdom ground to take. There's more of the enemy's territory to take back. It belongs to you and he's in your backyard, right? But you and I have to first listen and have enough humility to listen and we eat the hay, spit out the sticks, because not everybody's perfect, right? And we go, whoa, I'm off track. I'm, I've lost my way. And it might not be, hopefully, as terrible as the way that David lost his way. But a pretty good example of how God's heart was to shift with David, to get him back in alignment and not just to thump him, okay? So we see here in this space of repentance, David finds himself face down on the ground. I want you to think about this. As David repents, I want you to think about how do you shift? Do you first listen or do you, oh no, I'm good. I don't really need to listen to you and I kind of got this. I got it. I'm good. We're going to keep the cover up going on. You keep the cover up going on, you're going to go deeper and deeper. It's going to get worse and worse. But David finds himself on his face. Listen, he finds himself on his face. <laughs> yeah. He goes to his face and he finds himself. He humbles himself, and he remembers who he is. You are gonna find yourself when you get face down before the Lord. That's what's gonna happen. You're gonna find yourself when you get face down. That's where you are, the real you. Verse 13, then David said to Nathan, whoa, there's no way you could have known that. Clearly, I know that you're the prophet, and nobody knew that I did that thing, and David gets hammered, and he says, I have sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not gonna die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's good, step one. But because you did this, you have made enemies of the Lord. Uh, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt. The son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck that child of Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and he went into his house and he spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of the household, household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. Look, lost identity can always be recovered in repentance. Lost identity can always be recovered in repentance especially 100% of the time, always in Christ. Okay, we, even in the old covenant, when Jesus had not paid the price for all the sin and he didn't even go to the temple to offer the sacrifice for his sin, God still forgave him because that was God's heart and David was operating in a new covenant way. He really was in this moment. But for you and I, we get to go boldly into the throne room of God because the mercy of God is new every morning. The renewal of your identity and understanding of your identity, it's gonna be found when you come face down on the ground before the Lord every day. If you wanna to try to stay on track with your identity, get face down before the Lord every day. God, who am I? I'm a child of God. I belong to you. What do you have for me today? I'm submitted to you right now. Man, when we repent, we don't go halfway. We don't just kinda of halfway do our repentance. But the, the beautiful thing about repentance in Christ is that you will always recover if your heart is to turn. 
Repentance will always bring you to the surface. I was watching this YouTube clip of this device that was uh, 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 this new invention. I thought it was genius. You put this wrist dealio on when you go swimming in the ocean. And if you find yourself deep underwater, you pull this thing, it inflates with air, and you go right to the surface. I thought, that's pretty smart. Repentance is like that. No matter how deep you go under the water, Jesus, in your, it doesn't even matter if he's in your life right now. You can choose Jesus anytime. He's that little wristband. You say, Jesus, uh, forgive me. Shift me. Bring me to the surface. You pull that thing. It just inflates. Boom. You're going to the top. You're coming right out of the deepest depths you could ever imagine, and nothing's stopping that movement. The power of God working in your life to bring recovery, in, it comes in repentance. Nothing is going to stop that. It doesn't matter what other people say about you and how much they judge you. There's talk about David. Oh, do you know David? He was with Bathsheba. Can you believe he did that? David, he doesn't care anymore. He wants to be right before the one who identif identifies him. And that's his father in heaven. And you and I have to see that first. Is it my first job and desire is God to please you? It doesn't matter if anybody else sees, I just want to please you. And when we have that desire and we have that alignment right, then we repent there first and don't worry about what else goes on. It's like, God, you're going to sort that stuff out. If I lose my kingdom over this, fine. Somebody else will run it because you're really the king. You're the king of kings who raises up kingdoms and tears them down. It doesn't all rest on me. It rests on you. You know what? You're struggling in any kind of area in your life, your marriage, your family, with your kids, your workplace. Listen, you're blowing it. You're making mistakes. You're doing the big cover-up. God's saying, stop doing the cover-up. It's time to pull that little cord and let's go to the surface. Let's bring it to the surface. Let's let God deal with it, and let's move on because we have to come back to our true identity. And God wants you to operate in power, not in shame and guilt and condemnation. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants to lie to you and say, oh, how could God really love you? How could God ever use you again? Look at David. He just repents, and God shifts him, and it brings him back to the surface, but he doesn't do it halfway. Don't use half measures when you're operating in repentance. David falls on the ground. He gets his face before Jesus, and he doesn't get up for seven days. He's just like on the ground, repenting, and he goes the whole distance. And look what he says. He records in Psalms, 1, uh, in Psalms 51 his heart of repentance. He says this, have mercy on me, Psalms 51.1. And this is, it, it, this is David regarding Nathan the prophet after he came to him and he committed adultery with Bathsheba. It says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be Proven right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment of my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sin, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will 
be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I'll teach your ways to rebels. Listen to action, okay? And I'm gonna go after this thing. I'll teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves me. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or you would offer one or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices offered in the right spirit with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings and bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Look, guys. We need to learn how to get better at repenting. David knew how to repent. He wrote a song about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Do whatever it takes. And I think because in our toxic shame, and we're not okay in our guilt. We, we really are not okay in our guilt and being exposed. And some of that comes to, I'm afraid no one will love me, I'll be rejected. Fear of rejection is a powerful thing. But when we find ourselves deep in it, we stepped in it deep, right? We repent, we shift, we don't think about those things. We say, God, nothing can separate me from your love. My heart before you is what I want. And when we repent, we see that repentance will bring us to the surface and back to our true identity and being able to move in power and, and the function that God called us, but we don't go halvesies. Full measure of repentance. We go make it right. We find out who really we have harmed and hurt, and we own it, and we don't make excuses for why we did it. I was wrong. I sinned and I hurt you, and I'm sorry. Is there any other way that you see that I hurt you? I want to make sure we're good and we're right. And then we go the extra mile, and we take the extra time, and we slow it down to make sure our relationships are right. And we make sure we take the time with God. We don't just brush over it. Well, Lord, you know, I just kind of blew that thing up. No big deal. <laughs> Let's move on. No, God, my heart is broken. I see this as wrong. I see that this was outside of my identity. I was behaving like a lost boy. I was behaving like a lost girl. And I, that's not who I am. God, I'm a child of God. I don't want to behave that way. I want to operate in the midst of who you made me to be. God, will you forgive me? For, bring back the joy of my salvation. I know you're never gonna leave me, forsake me. Thank you, God, that I'm rooted in my, my eternal salvation with you. But God, I wanna enjoy my relationship with you. I wanna operate in power. I wanna operate in the strength that you've given me. We've gotta, we've gotta really own it and not just kind of brush by it. And we certainly need to not continue to cover up so that we feel good about ourselves. You wanna feel good about you? Own it. Just tell them the whole thing. You're gonna find you when you find yourself face down on the ground, humbling yourself. We gotta use more than words, right? More than words is all you have to do, right? 
to make it real. All you 80s childs, 90s childs, right? It, when, it, when it says, oh, I'm sorry, and I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, then we do more than words. Action is repentance. Action is not, repentance is not only action. Come on, we, we don't only feel sorry, we say sorry, we do sorry. And repentance is more than words. It's a shift in action, behavior, direction, and we got to go the other way. You know, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, David, after this, we see David, he's on the ground and and, and, and he just does this amazing thing. And one, he doesn't do anything stupid and everybody's worried he's going to do something stupid. Don't do something stupid when you blow it. Don't have compound sin interest. Do something dumb. Then you do something dumber to cover up your dumbness and it gets worse. Don't do that. Everybody's worried David was going to do that. But when we find David, he just gets up. His kid dies. And, and, and he just gets up. He says, he just gets up. And everybody's like, whoa, what happened? And he goes, you know what? It's done. And he moves on. And there comes a point when you've got to move on. And you got to move on to the person he made you to be. And he goes, no, no, no. I lost my identity for a moment. I forgot who I was, but I'm the king. I can't operate like, operate like some sinful civilian and a lawbreaker. I'm not going to operate like that. I'm going to operate like the king. And he gets up, he dusts off the sackcloth and ashes, and he goes, I'm done mourning. It's time to move on and be the king. He didn't go halvesies on repentance and sort of pretend like and cover up and act like nothing happened. No, he owned it fully. He listened to the word of the Lord and went face down. He humbled himself and he cried out to God and he repented and he shifted and he did everything he needed to do in repentance. And once he was done, grieving process, guilt process, shame process, fully taken care of, you get up, you move on. It's not who you are. Your identity needs to be recovered. Come on, you're not made to stay in this place of now your sin identifies who you are. Identity lost, no identity recovered. You do it through repentance. You find yourself when you find yourself face down on the ground before him, the king, the creator who loves you. But you and I gotta make that shift. We gotta see it. We gotta get up, we gotta move on. Listen, there is there are giants that are trying to hold you down and declare, oh, you're just a sinner, you're just a nobody, you're just somebody that can't ever get it right, and they're just trying to keep you down. And you gotta go run after those giants. Giant of judgment. How about the giant of judgment that's plaguing the church? Wherein any one of us falls, we come around and devour our own. That's the devil, by the way church has to be strong enough to not operate in judgment. That's Jesus' job. And when Jesus judged this situation, he said, I forgive you. That's why you're not in charge. Amen. Enough said. Thank God you and I are not in charge. But we need to behave like Jesus. And the church has got to learn to rally around those who are in recovery. And when we see our friends fall, we lift them up. We work with them to recover. We don't write them off. We don't eat them up. We don't expose. Love covers. Love doesn't expose. Love covers. Love builds up. Love always believes the best. And this is why 
we need each other. Can you imagine if we really knew each other and we were helping defend and protect and honor and build up one another? Whenever we fell, people were bringing us back up. Whenever we fell, we were like, I don't know what to do. And somebody runs over and they pull that little wristband thing for us and we're up to the top. We're like, oh God, thank God you were there. Rather than we're swimming away from our friends, like don't get close to me because you're going to pop the thing and try to like tie anchors to me to keep me down to the bottom. And I, I say this a lot, but whose team are you on? Whose team do you want to be on? The team that builds the kingdom, God's team in recovery, or one where we're pushing each other down, we're holding each other down under the water. Anybody ever been held down under the water before? That'll freak you out. Too many times, and I believe this is a word for our church, we're holding our friends, our brothers and sisters under the water. Oh, we gotta make sure you really got this. And we start to panic. Rather than when we're around one another, we're being lifted up, back into our true identity, restored into our true identity. The church should be the safest place on the planet. Second Corinthians 10, I'm gonna close with this. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. Starts in verse three, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is made complete. It's not a natural war, it's a spiritual war. And the war that's waging on inside of each one of us is to recover our lost identity. And we're gonna speak it into existence. We're going to war against these giants, church. And we're gonna discipline ourselves. And every act of disobedience, we're gonna punish it with an act of obedience, which is in love. The devil comes against your friends, man, we're not losing friends. We're not losing family members. We gotta be a church, we're not, no, we're not okay with that. It's just like, oh, that person fell off in the sand. Oh, too bad. Somebody's mean to you one day. Oh, well, not talking to them again. How about, what are you being so mean to me for, man? Come on, your identity's not lost. We're, we're, we're family in the kingdom. We're not gonna let go. We're not devouring our own. You're having a bad day? Well, we're gonna have a bad day together. We're gonna stay together, we're gonna lift you up. We don't give up on each other. What a different world we'd be in, amen? Amen. The weapons we fight with aren't weapons of the world, they're weapons, they're spiritual weapons to demolish arguments, the enemy's arguments against us to try to keep us down. I'm gonna pray over us right now. Father, we're asking that you would make a shift in who we are how we see one another, how we see you. And God, that even in our darkest moments, the darkest chapters of our lives, where we're lost boys and lost girls, God, and we're doing things that we never thought were possible, Father, we're asking for your blessing, favor, a shift to happen by your love, by your kingdom, by your, by, 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 by your heart moving for us right now. God, will you shift us? Come on, if you need a shift in your life, and you just want the Lord to just make something, you, you're like, I, I, I wanna find my identity again. I'm just gonna ask you to stand up wherever you are and I'm gonna pray for you. Come on, you have the courage to stand up. I need a shift in my life. I'm tired of being where I'm at. I wanna shift. I don't wanna cover up, I wanna come up.
Come on. Father, we love you today, Lord. Your word is so good. It's so amazing. Father, I'm asking for your love to pour out on each one of us right now. Just lift your hands up. If you'd stretch your hands towards someone that's standing around you, if you want to stand, you can. Just reach your hands out towards somebody standing around you. I want you to pray for them. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to minister to those, my friends, my family members right now. God, I'm praying a blessing over them. Identity recovered in Jesus' name. No longer lost, no longer out there. Uh, right now, I, I, I'm declaring that my brothers and sisters know who they are in you. We come against shame and guilt and God, we just break those things off of their lives. And we pray right now that, God, they would move away from this lost boy, lost girl mentality and come in to know who they are in you. Identify them as your sons and daughters. God, redeem any time. Redeem any behaviors and actions, God. And I pray right now your favor would fall on them. Your love would fall on them. And I'm praying breakthrough and, and moving forward and no longer moving back into cycles of shame in Jesus' name. God, will you, you draw our church directly into knowing who we are in you. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, pray this with me. Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. Save me. Make me a son, a daughter. Identify me as your own. I'm no longer lost, I'm found in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can you stand, church? Let's close in worship. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. We hope to see you soon.